Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article each week and we talk about what we find. Dan, what are we talking about this week? <laughs> week. Oh, God. <laughs> I well, nearly made this... it. I nearly yeah, made it through. You, you were so close. Oh. This week, Simon, we're talking about <laughs> rivers in the wasteland. Uh, otherwise known as my sinuses at the moment. Yeah, there we go, uh, um, yeah. Cool. And what what is that then, Daniel? Rivers in the Wasteland is the fifth studio album by American Christian rock band Need to Breathe. Oh God! It's this is going to be like the episode we did yeah. about dads. Yeah, absolutely. Um, released on April. What was it? Was that something about the sto- storm or a hurricane or a? What, what was that band called? Oh um, no, the the band was called Dads, and it was. Yeah. Um, I'll be the tornado. I'll be, that's it. I knew it was something to do with a storm. Yeah, there we go. I'll so, be the so what, and what was Brilliant. this one called? Uh, this is Rivers in the Wasteland. Is the album by the American Christian rock band Need to Breathe. It was okay. released quite recently. It was released in 2014. Oh, okay. So Christian rock is a thing. Uh, the more yeah, up-to-date version of liturgical music. I suppose so, yeah. Uh, um, he's the cool. This band is the cool version of what you do, Dan. Basically. And that is really um, saying something. <laughs> Would you believe that the album debuted at number one on the Billboard Christian album chart? Oh, there we go. It was the Christian Billboard chart. Yeah. Um, okay, right. So, sorry, my brain is is mashed potato today. So, tell just tell me more. Tell me more. Did they have a, a car or something like that? Well, I can tell you that the album's fourth single, uh, it was called Multiplied, um, was nominated for a Grammy. Good grief. Not, not, not a Christian Grammy, Grammy but like a, a proper Grammy. Yeah. Uh, it was. Do you know which category it was nominated for? Is there a Christian music category? Best Contemporary Christian Music Performance Song. <laughs> so that, that doesn't count. That's not a real Grammy. I, I mean, yeah, it's the, the album's fifth and final... Al- uh, no, the album's fifth... The album's fifth and final single, Brother, proved to be the band's biggest hit to date, peaking at num- number eight... Uh, on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, oh, the full Hot 100 now. Yeah, the full, not even the Christian Hot 100. The, wow. the Christian lukewarm 100. Oh, good grief! Yeah, sorry. The whole is... album goes for 45 minutes. So, c- can you tell me some other track titles? Because Christian rock is like uh, this is American Christian rock as well, so it's probably going to be quite evangelical, I guess. Yeah. So we've got 12, uh, 12 tracks in total. Um, we have Wasteland as number one. Mm-hmm. The state I'm in, number two. Feel, uh, feet, feet don't fade. Don't, oh God, feet don't fail me now. Number three. Oh Carolina, number four. Five. Difference maker. Maker is uh, capitalized because it's like God. Clever. Oh. Six is rise again because it's like, like Jesus, Jesus. Remember. Like Seven is the heart. Okay. Like, like has eight. the heart or just yeah, just desireth the, the waterbrooks. Um, eight is where the money is. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. And the track is called Where the Money Is. <laughs> um, nine multiplied, ten brother, which was that one I spoke about. Mm. Uh, Eleven, more heart, less attack. Most and importantly, 12, <laughs> he multiplies snack. Twelve, twelve is say please. Please. Yeah, there you go. Oh, well, that was easy. Um, so do, do you have any lyrics for these things? Because like in my head, it's it, this is the kind of music that they play to the youth. 
to you know like to try and stealth them into the church because being christian is cool and hip and like you can listen to rock we don't think it's the devil's music at all uh yeah kind of kind of content so, but are the lyrics like the multiply that sounds like for example it's going to be all about going forth and multiplying and how you to be a good christian you have to have lots of of children okay i found the lyrics here we go not gonna lie, the, these it reads like the kind of poetry I wrote in year twelve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this um, is gonna be good. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> this is multiplied, a dramatic reading by by Daniel me. Moore, Esquire. Yeah, Esquire the third. Multiplied, your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. We cannot contain. Your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfires singing your name. God of mercy, sweet love of mine, I have surrendered to your design. May this offering stretch across the skies, these hallelujahs be multiplied. Your love is like radiant diamonds, bursting inside us we cannot contain. Your love will surely come find us, like blazing wildfires, singing your name. And then in brackets, multiplied, brackets, oh, multiplied. That's, I imagine, some form of bridge. Wow, um, this is amazing. This is this is iconic. I hope you realise now. Every it, single verse is just a, is the same. Oh, they, they just copied and pasted the verses. There are there are two two verses to this song. Yeah. Wow, and the, the, this was a band that was nominated for a Grammy. Yes, so that was the that was the song that was non- nominated for a Grammy. Oh, sorry, that was the peak of their songwriting. Yes. So wow. Now, now, was there another one that they said? Okay, so Brother was the biggest hit. Okay. So I'm now going to look up the lyrics to Brother. I know, I was thinking, I thought I knew it, and then I, was, then I realised I was thinking about the Avicii. The, hey, Brother. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to be that somehow. No, no, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's almost satanic. We can't have any of that. Okay, here we go. A satanic mechanic. <laughs> this They're is just a second... some sweet transvestites. <laughs> yeah, they definitely wouldn't be singing about that, would they? Um, this is a second dramatic reading today. <laughs> oh god, I shouldn't um, have done oh, that. God. That's lovely. Oh, okay. sorry. <clears throat> Here we go. This is Brother by Need to Breathe. Ramblers in the wilderness, we can't find what we need. We get a little restless from the searching, get a little worn down in between. Like a bull chasing the matador is the man left to his own schemes. Everybody needs someone beside him shining like a lighthouse from the sea. Brother, let me be your shelter. Never leave you all alone. I can be the one you call when you're low. Brother, let me be your fortress when the night winds are driving on. Be the one to light the way. Bring you home. Bring me uh, home. Bring I, I assume that sounded like there should have been a repeat there. Almost heaven, West Virginia. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Wow. Okay, so, so okay, right. So we now have a sense of the lyrics of this song. So can you tell me a bit more about this album? Can you Have you noticed, by the way, how I'm trying to offer as little as possible and I'm leaning very heavily on you because I no, cannot No, no, that's fine. Well, I should, I we think... should explain a little bit. Sorry, I, I have a hideous cold at the moment and I have spent... If you couldn't already tell. If you couldn't already tell because I sound like I come from New Zealand, um, I just have been at home all day struggling to do anything, uh, mostly watching videos about something which we're going to talk about in critics corner i imagine absolutely um and yeah so i i i am barely here to be honest with you guys so dan the, the show's on you if this one rises or falls it is entirely on your shoulders and future well, editing simon so good luck i'm sure if, if 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 the listenership are as excited about hearing about the critical reception of this incredible band rivers in the wasteland 
then I can't hear you. <laughs> Sorry. The uh, the first sentence is um, I don't want to say underwhelming because <laughs> I don't want to be too cruel, but it is might be the most underwhelming piece of criticism I think I've ever read. Does it just so go? We, that's all right. We kick we kick off the reception. Rivers in the Wasteland received mostly positive reviews from music critics. That's the first sentence. Uh, no, mostly, I, feel, I feel like that could have been a positive. lot worse. It was like, if it just went mediocre reviews, it would have been like truly like just sad. Mostly positive is how most things that are good are received, right? Like, oh my God, it gets worse. Okay, here we go. So the second sentence is a quote from, uh, a quote from Tony Cummings, founder of Cross Rhythms. Now I imagine Cross Rhythms must be some form of Christian music... Yeah, a Christian media organisation ba- based in Stoke-on-Trent, England. <laughs> the most glamorous of all English cities. Amazing. Um, cross, ri- cross Rhythms, if you're listening, shout out. Um, he rated, uh, Tony, this is, rated the album a perfect 10 squares, calling it a delicious album that demonstrates once again that when you've got quality songwriting and a band on top of their game, all resistance melts away. Sorry, that me- measurement system is yeah. squares. Yeah. It's so the, the 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 bands are literally square and yeah. there. Yeah. Wow. It's at CCM magazine Matt Connor rated the album 4 stars out of 5 calling the release a spirited affair. Good one. Nice. On which has need to breathe signature southern rock stomp circles round the bear round bear Reinhardt's distinct vocal for another 11 song piece that might just be their best yet. I'm sorry, that sentence... I mean, I, I don't think that sentence was, would have made sense to me when I was not no. ill. No, this person needs to... And I mean, if you're trying to explain what a clause is, I imagine he'll um, pass out. Um, Santa Claus is the work of the devil! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shut up, son! <laughs> I will pray for you. Um, so, <laughs> you can tell else... what I've been watching this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, um, someone else says... Uh, the entire thing is great from beginning to end and back again. A Hobbit's, a Hobbit's Tale, Tale by Bilbo back <laughs> <Yeah>. again. <laughs> um, so from what I can understand, um, the music's been received quite well. I want, I kind of want to listen to, now that, what was their good one? Brother. We could probably put six seconds in and get away with it. I feel okay. like, I, but also this is fair use because we're commenting on, um, you know, we're commenting on the quality of the music. This 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 comes under the the, the fair use act. So yeah, and we and it, when we're glorifying God at the same time, exactly. Uh, it's, a, it's a literally a win win. Okay, I'm going to listen to the first part of Brother now. Do you want? Do, do you want to? Shall I send you a link so you can listen as well? Yes, I would like okay. that, please. Oh no, that's not right. <laughs> oh, good. What is that? That's a password. <laughs> no, no, it's um, it's a. Oh God, this is going to be something. Oh hello, it's, let me just Google what that is. It needs a letter it's, in front of it. It's a pipe. <laughs> it's a type of pipe, yeah. It's a, why we why was this in your clipboard? Um, no reason. Is it a magic pipe? I wish. No, that um, no, that is actually a um a, a like Google response. Oh, right. Savinelli three twenty. Is it a magic pipe? Well, there we go. Apparently, it's very good. Anyway, his brother need to breathe. <laughs> Wow, that piano. Fucking hell. Out of nowhere. This is exactly what I thought it would be. I'm just going to pause it a second. That That is the, uh, uh, like, 
the type of singing you do when you sing like Jack Black, you keep your lips under as much tension as possible while smiling. Mm. Like a bird calling the bird the man don't live to deal. <laughs> that kind of, like, terrible... <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh, because this is... So I'm sure that they are very proud of this work, but... Yeah. I think, to be honest, I think my dramatic reading was just as was, good. It's like a shit Imagine Dragons. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, that's right. But imagine biblical leviathans. That's what this band yeah. should be called. Imagine oh, leviathans. Um, yes, okay. Psalm 104. <laughs> that's what I was trying to remember. Uh, um, it's, got, it's a really cool psalm. So there's this great piece of music. I may have spoken about it last week. Um, called They That Go Down to the Sea in Ships by Herbert Sumption. Uh, I think you might have mentioned it, yeah. I'm just having to check. It is Sir Herbert is his first name, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah, cool. That would have been embarrassing. Anyway, if I didn't talk about it, I think I I think I did. Uh, it's brilliant. Um, and it's this, it's amazing and the text is awesome. But on that same day, we happened to be singing Psalm 104 and didn't realise it. And the first line of that psalm is, There goes the ships, there is that leviathan. Um, whom oh. thou hast made to play therein. It's a really cool, dramatic kind of um, trapped in a storm kind. Of, yeah, it's really, really cool. <coughs> what um, I'm getting from this is my version of Christian music is far superior to your shitty version of Christian music. Uh, yeah. Imagine Leviathans. Yeah, I'm not saying that Sumption did it better, but Sumption but, did it better. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Actually, um, that's a point. Um, oh no, no, no. I, I will save that for for Critics Corner. There's two things I want to talk about in Critics Corner. Um, but uh, okay, right. So um, we're, we're being derailed as always by mm-hmm. en- literally anything that is not the the article. What yeah. what more can you tell me about the article, Daniel? Because I'm sure well, there is more more in this mine. To I mean, we can we can end on a high note and say talk about its commercial performance. So this okay. album in question, Rivers in the Wasteland, debuted at number three on the US Billboard 200 chart. That's just the general charts. That's not like a Christian subset. Um, selling 49,000 copies in its first week of release. The sales were good enough for number one on the top Christian albums and top rock albums charts and number six on the Canadian albums chart. As of January 2015, the album has sold 150,000 copies in the US. That's that's pretty good. Oh, my God. So on the Wikipedia page, underneath the, you know, like the the little profile um, card in the top right corner, Mm. um, underneath that kind of standard one where you've got like when was the album released, the studio, the genre, blah, blah, blah. Underneath it says professional ratings. We've got several different sources, review sources, and their star rating next to it, with the exception of Cross Rhythms, who literally have 10 squares instead of stars. (laughs) Why? I mean, oh, is it possible that those aren't actually squares, but they're like, they're meant to be another emoji? No, they are squares. Because Pop Matters is the bottom one, and they have yellow circles. But it might be that there's a a particular Unicode thing that isn't being... um represented like surely they can't actually rate things with squares surely I mean, what was I'm the name of the sure publication that's, i don't think it's a unicode i think they've that, that's generally what they've chosen as a um to represent the square i mean the, it might be a slightly different square from what's on their um website but i imagine this is clearly the wikipedia standard for something that reviews in squares for some stupid reason hey, well, i'm gonna go on i'm on crossrhythms.co.uk yeah uh music chart uh, do you know what the current uh, 
Uh, oh god, so what am I looking at? This is this is the, the, the Cross Rhythms top 10 for this week. The week beginning, the 21st of October. Do you want to have a stab at what's at number one? Um, uh, is it Sumption, They That Go Down to the Sea in Ships? No, as a matter of fact, hang on, in the top 10, none of these I recognise at all. Uh, it's by it's from an album called Look Up Child. Uh, Lauren, oh, yeah, Lauren Daigle, Still Rolling Stones. I yeah. listened to it the other day. Oh, so maybe this isn't just Christian music then. This is... No, it's not. I'm just on the website. I'm messing oh, around. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, oh, my God. It's got a number four. It's Hugo's um, Long Lost Brother. Oh, Phil Whit- Wickman. Yeah, Phil Wickman <laughs> with, with, with Breath Away. I don't know whether that's a typo. Um, <laughs> I think it's quite possibly. <laughs> from the album Living Hope. So I'm looking, I'm looking at uh, Lauren Daigle's Look Up Child. Uh, which has been rated with squares on their website, so I think, yeah, the perhaps. Yeah, and it's ex- it's the same squares. Wow. Uh, as we all know, Lauren's "How Can It Be" was the best-selling CCM album for years, Chris- contemporary Christian music. Um, mm. I'm delighted to report this second album in is in every way a better album, and I have no doubt the Look Up Child will be given the Louisiana-born singer worldwide Christian radio hits for three or more years to come. Oh my god, it's only bloody Tony Cummings reviewing it again. Do you reckon this is just him? Is every one of these reviews him? About us. Is there like a meet the team? Uh, oh no, no, no. There's set the number two, which is uh, Third Day Revival. Um, I wonder what that could be about. Uh, it was oh, reviewed gosh. by Andrew Wallace. Oh. It's treason then. Uh, presumably a different Wallace. <laughs> uh, for those of you, I- I'll have to put that in the show notes. For those of you who haven't seen uh episode star wars episode three but it's wallace instead of palpatine it's it's really quite something yeah that is pretty great isn't it i i am the senate i am the senate i really i miss wallace and gromit like do you remember when perhaps this was a bit before your time but i was i was a kid when like all the oscar winning short films were coming out like semi-regularly because they Hmm. they did obviously um curse of the were rabbit and then there was a gap and they did a matter of loaf and death Yes, um, which but, was a bit rubbish. Yeah, I, I wasn't terribly impressed by that. I mean, I mean like, um, Curse of the Were-Rabbit was great, but it, it wasn't Chicken Run, which it was following up from what I think is the best animated film, like, it's traditional animated film, uh, sorry, not, not traditional, uh, stop-motion animated film ever. Yeah. Um, and it is still the top-grossing stop-motion animated film ever. Um, Crikey. Yeah, I was quite surprised. I thought the Wallace and Gromit would have, would have smashed past it, but apparently not. Um, I made the mistake of watching, early, well, hang on. Are we, I think we need to move corner. Yeah, okay, we've probably just about covered this in, in an update, I think, by now. To be honest, I don't think there's anything else I can glean from this from this article that it is of vague interest. It's contemporary Christian music, guys. It's about God, but it's trying to be hip and trendy and generally fails at being both, okay? Yeah. Let's move on to Critics' Corner. All right, all right, all right. right, Dan, what fresh hell awaits us here? Well, I was going to say, I made the mistake of watching Early Man. Oh, which was the, which that was the latest Ardman film. Yes. Ardman, yeah, absolutely rubbish. Yeah, it did. It kind of just disappeared. It didn't bomb. Yeah. It just disappeared without trace. Yeah, I can't. I don't know what they. It's got a six point one out of ten on IMDb. Let's see what the Guardian says about it. Four out of five stars. Who reviewed this? Steve Rose. Steve Rose, you're chatting out your ass, sunshine. Oh, um, that reminds me. Whilst, whilst, whilst I remember, um, did you see that um, Mark Kermode has just started a new film podcast with no. Jack Howard? 
Oh, as in Jack from yeah, from Jack and Dean, um, the cool. YouTuber uh, who, and because I know that he has spoken about him very positively, uh, Mark Kermode that that is when talking about Infinity War and how he's like a young film critic that he's had his eye on uh, as, a, mm. as a good critic. But yeah, talk about sort of acceptance into the mainstream media of, of YouTube creators. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, sorry, that just popped into my mind because it was on my feed the other day. I nearly, I nearly sent it to you. The, the two things that have made me think Dan, other than that time I saw an absolute twat in the street were um that and when i saw that dody was doing a collaboration with jacob collier um, mm-hmm. which is terribly exciting because very very exciting I, I i've been binging a lot of his stuff recently actually jacob collier and he's obviously a very very talented quite precocious guy he's um, ludicrously gifted yeah and and, and and he knows it but like he isn't terribly smug about it so it's, he's, he's a nice guy you get the impression um yeah and the idea of him doing something with dody is just quite exciting um, mm. We're both both fans of both of them. Anyway, you were saying about Early Man. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I made the mistake of watching it because I saw that I could rent it, so I did, and then I watched it, and then I regretted renting it, which is a bit of a shame, really, but there we go. Mm. Um, what did I, I also watched... I finally got round to watching Deadpool 2. Oh, now what did you make of that? Because I've seen that. I still thought it was... I thought it was good. I don't think it was as good as the first one. Um, but they, they, it would be so hard to hit the mark. Well, exactly. On. Yeah, the thing about the first one was it was it was so wildly original. It was unlike yeah. anything else. And so, the, sort of necessarily, if you're going to do a sequel to that, it has to be somehow similar to it, you know. And so, like, yeah, they basically this film was very similar to the first one, but because then it it wasn't original, it wasn't as good. Hmm. Uh, so it was kind of doomed to fail from the start. But yes, I, I agree with you. I I, I thought it was um was very fun, very fine, yeah. very fun, very very fine, very fine. Um, now there was, I'm sure there was something else. Oh, tell you what I did watch. I watched a really, really excellent video essay on the first Pirates of the Caribbean film. Oh, no, this was why it was um, accidentally awesome or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Like, yeah, an accident, uh, accidentally genius or something. Yes, yes, that was it. Um, yeah, it's very, very, very good. I, I keep that was... finding these YouTube channels like that that are just, you know, seem to come out of the, um, out of nowhere. And you're like, where, have, how have I not noticed you know, like this, mm. this thing come out of absolutely nowhere. Like the thing I said about um, Cosmonaut Variety Hour in the last episode, really well-developed, well-known channel that I just somehow completely missed. And like, mm. I swear I, I find one of these about once a week. Um, it makes you wonder how many people find me that way. Uh, the answer seems to be very few because the channel is in a bit of a slump at the moment. But um, there we go. So, you know, I'm glad that other people are getting success out of it anyway. Oh, it was Reality Punch Studios. Sorry, I was just Googling whilst we were talking. Ah. Um, yeah, Reality Punch Studios. Um, oh, they did a video on why they love The Last Jedi. Okay, I don't like this channel anymore. Although uh, another one, if I'm to recommend another one that I found recently is Captain Midnight. Um, yeah. So they I, they came to my attention uh, because I don't know if you saw this, but Vox did a video on why the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, sucks or like why it feels so empty. I think was how they phrased it. Um, mm. And I'm just going to pull up the statistics for you um, because it didn't go down well. Let's put it like that. This video, well, the has, video, yeah, the video that Vox did. It has 1.7 million views. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was published uh, just over a week ago. Uh, and it has 31,000 likes and 97,000 dislikes. Oh, my God. Uh, so that ratio is very heavily in the wrong way. Like, that, you'd yeah. never see a video like that. And basically, it was quite an incoherent thing. Uh, but the one positive 
that I got out of it was this channel called Captain Midnight, um, who just knows everything there is to know about comic books, like old school. And so he was going through and basically refuting all the points that Vox made in the video and saying like, yeah, this bit was good. And this, I actually kind of agree with Vox here, but then you're drawing a false comparison because, you know, the, they, I think one of the problems was they were trying to argue that like the MCU as in the, sorry, the, like the Marvel extended universe started like way further back than it actually did. Um, mm. And yeah, no, and, and like I really liked his his editing style and um, his uh, writing style. So I'll include a link to that in the description. That is my YouTube channel find of the week. Yeah, nice. Um, but so before we get on to talking about something that I know we both want to talk about, mm-hmm. um, did you get the opportunity to listen to uh, Coral Evensong on BBC Radio Three on Wednesday? I did. I did indeed. And what, from Blackburn Cathedral. And what did you hear? Ah, I well, we had a very, very, very tasty introit written by the one, the only big gay bear, Doctor Ed Jones. Doctor Ed Donkey Dick Jones. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Who who is a friend of ours? He was at Exeter Cathedral, and he wrote a piece of music that was performed liturgically on Radio Three. Like, mm. that's a huge deal. <laughs> so that's amazing. Really. Um, and the rest of the service was quite an interesting one. I didn't rec- I didn't know the Canticles, but they were... Um, oh, Kelly and C. Yeah, they were like Latin American inspired. Yeah. They had like very unusual rhythms. They're very cool. I've, 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 I've sung them. Um, in oh, fact, one of the... Yeah, one of the... The, the organ scholar of Homerton College, Cambridge, um, whom I got along with like a house on fire, um, he uh, he loves those Canticles. So I saw there was in the Choral Evensong Appreciation Society Facebook page, um, because that's a thing. Uh, they uh, they said that it happened to be Kelly and C, and I tagged him in that, being like, "Oh, you better tune in, mate, you know, because mm. it's it's your favorite." Um, they're very good; they're good fun. I, I've 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 now sung them um, because well, we the did them in the cathedral in my I think yeah my first week or something. Um, oh wow! Talk about in the deep end because they're yeah. they don't sound terribly easy. They're not they're not actually that hard. <laughs> okay. I think it's it's kind of rhythmically different, but once you get around that, it's it's yeah it, it's not it's not it's not a difficult thing. Um, Although they, the, um, they, they are interesting, the the Nunc Dimittis in the performance was another favourite of ours, which mm. was the host oh, yeah. Nunc. Though, what did you think oh. of the performance? Well, I so I I followed the post within this Facebook group quite quite closely because I was curious as to see what people were saying because especially because I wanted to hear the, their thoughts on the intro on Ed's Light in Our Darkness uh, uh, motet, um, which is very very lovely and and very Jones in its. Uh, in its kind of compositional style, but it's bitonal, isn't it? Is the sort of yeah. the key thing. Um, it uh, it's a very Blackburn's got a very swimming acoustic, I would say. Yes, I, I think it's a very it's probably a beautiful it's a probably a beautiful building to to be there and listen to a service. But I don't think the recording did it any favors at all, and that's probably due to how they had microphones. For instance, yeah, the altos were like the loudest part in most of that recording yeah um, you could barely hear the just, bases um, yeah you that's just really because it's much like in in it's so an extra cathedral's nave um as soon as if you're if you're singing uh, if the choir is singing in the nave so in front of the golden gates before you step into the choir q-u-i-r-e mm. um if the if the bases aren't quite loud enough you you kind of you kind of reach the transept and go a little bit far forward, a little bit more more further forward, as if it's kind of just standing at the start of where the congregation are. The bases just suddenly disappear. You cannot hear anything because of the because of the way the building works. Um, 
it picks up a particular register and and will carry that and give you you know quite a really quite tremendous support but uh for, for, for basses it's a nightmare and i thought that that it didn't do blackburn's sound justice because it was very hard to hear the balance because there wasn't any I'd agree with that, and I'd also say that the in the whole specifically, I thought the trebles kind of lost the plot at one mm. point. It was it was a shame, really, because it's a lovely piece, and you know, like you say, that the elements of the recording made it difficult anyway. But I was listening, and I was like, oh, that's like it just sort of fell off the tracks a little bit. And then mm. I think it was when it goes into unison, they kind of cue back in, and they they got their, their the, pitch uh, right that, again. The Gloria, yeah, the Gloria. It's a, it's nice when a piece does that because if it does start to go off the rails, you can just kind of have this moment to reset and, yeah. and kind of go back through. Which is why it's so it's such a doing a lot of Paul Mealer's stuff with when we did it with singers who hadn't hadn't done Mealer before. It's a very challenging piece to sing, um, I think harmonically because it's got there's an awful lot of crunch. It's also very very close in in kind of in kind of yeah, texture, very. but also. Um, the, the kind of uh, dynamic range, if you like, of the pieces, you're going from like PPP to FF within maybe a four bar phrase. Um, mm. So to be able to kind of achieve that, it, it's, it can be quite daunting. So it's nice that nearly all of his pieces have these moments of a complete stop of the sound and then a start again, just like how this, the piece starts as the beginning, almost like as a refrain or an echo. So it does give you these moments to go, it's all right. I mean, you know, do the best that you can and if it starts going a little bit awry it's cool we have this moment to kind of reset um both the kind of the pitch and just people's general kind of confidence and not getting too worried i feel than, like you know, there's there's a massive art to being able to write a piece of music that does that because it's one thing like to to do something that is incredibly technically difficult and sounds great but at the end of the day music is meaningless and like worthless if it can't be performed hmm. and you know you know, you could. I suppose you could get into a philosophical argument about what is the value of music, and like, is music uh, only music if it is performed? And so, do you not want your music to be performed as widely as possible by as in an accessible way as possible? And I, I feel like that's why a lot of people tout like Handel's Messiah as being such an amazing piece of music because it is so accessible to kind of choirs of all levels, you know. Mm. And like in writing a particular piece, like me, like you said about what Mila does. Um, you know, the, that, the being able to code in those moments of like, rest- they're almost like save points, you know, like in a yeah. game um, yeah. where you can come back to it and be like, okay, no, we're back on track now. We're okay. Um, yeah. Or if you're going like um, uh, rock climbing, mountaineering, and yeah. you, you get to another step where you can like, you can kind of, you can lock off in a, a, a new particular spot and go, okay, my, yeah, you're I'm all right for now. And then so, you've got to work out a bit and unclip yourself and take the risk and try and get to that next kind of rung or Is it or opinion? Grip. Is that the bit that you... Uh, I don't know. Uh, hang on, climbing. I thought it was cool. This because you you have like is, is is it a carabiner that you use to? That's the kind of loop of metal that you use. Right, to yeah. Like so you can in, like yeah. you can uh, you can fasten yourself two points. It's a piton. Um, That's it. Ah, there you go. A, oh, which is uh, I believe French for peg. Uh, it's literally just like a peg that you jam into the rock. But yeah, exactly mm. that. And if you fall off the pitch, then you can kind of. Um, certainly in performance you can't really go back to a moment but it's a point of I suppose it's almost like um, a river getting very narrow at one point you know where all the water's going to go and then like you know between those points you're, you're on a more of a floodplain and it can extend either side for a bit but then you know you guide it back in and then, you know the, the, the more frequently you guide it back in the less that it spreads um, 
you know, I've been reading um, the the Belle Sauvage, the um, the Book of Dust, um, and there's mm. a lot of flooding in that. It is excellent, by the way. Um, oh, cool. Ve- I mean, I talked about it like two episodes ago, and I've only I'm probably going to finish it tonight, maybe tomorrow. Um, it's absolutely mm. absolutely excellent book. I love his dark materials. Um, oh, but <coughs> wow, what have you been watching today, Dan? Well, just I literally had to drag myself away from it before we started this this session. Um, I think I've I've watched about. 12 to 15 minutes of of uh, of new footage from Red Dead Redemption 2 which is a game that Simon and I have followed really quite closely since it was announced that it was in development you know and they released that kind of like that 30 second cinematic teaser trailer um and and now the the the, the game is is it out now or is it out tomorrow? I think it's, it's out, out I think, tomorrow. I think it's out this evening. I think I think or it might be out at midnight. Uh Tootie McShootie 2. Yes, uh, as, as uh, I was like Steely Wheelie Automobile, uh, now bring you Rooty Tooty yeah. Shooty too. Yeah. Yeah, but it looks incredible. As I say, I haven't seen so the, the video. I'm I'm kind of thinking about it specifically is is Hat Films' new kind of first look. It's about an hour long, and Simon's already seen that. But I'm yeah. I'm about twelve minutes in, so I'm desperately going to uh, nip off and, and and watch that while uh, before I go to bed. But I also may have partly added to the enjoyment of uh, of my watching. Um, I went into Wittards the other day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is a very, very nice tea and coffee uh, shop uh, that we have in Exeter, but it's, you know, it's all it's all across the UK, I believe. It's a franchise, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. Um, yeah. Relatively exclusive as franchises go. I think so. I mean, it's not as niche as somewhere like Bluebird Tea Company, which is this amazing kind of tea mixologist, if you like, um, in Bristol. I think, I think they may the have another sentence you've ever said. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, they're really good. They, I mean, for someone who really, really does love tea, um, I'm, I, you know, I like coffee and I know when I've had a good coffee, but tea is really kind of where it's at for me. Bluebird are absolutely incredible. Um, and I, uh, I, I went there when I, when I visited Bristol for the first time, but it was very nice. Anyway, Wittards is very good. And I went in and I picked up, uh, I didn't mean to buy anything. Which oh, is so often the go. case, but then I did, and I picked up two different hot chocolate mixes. I'm going to go with um, one of which was was uh, called hot chocolate, and then Dream Time. So it's kind of like a hot chocolate crossed with a kind of malted drink with thing. chloroform. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was, and it was, you know, it was really very, very nice. I, I massively like Horlicks. Which or Ovaltine, whichever you prefer, mm. um, which is a kind of malted, uh, malted drink that we we have here in the UK. Um, we may well, it may well be available elsewhere. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's very nice. But this is it's this is kind of like a mix between the two. But more excitingly, and I've only just opened it and tried it, um, I bought a a dark hot chocolate mix with chili, and it's meant to be kind of like an Aztec throwback to how they would do chocolate hot chocolate the original hot chocolate oh, right yeah so it's, yeah so it's a it's a dark hot chocolate with um with chili in it so you get this kind of like this kind of this f- kind of fiery blanket of heat on every sip nothing so oppressive to be like oh god it's really spicy nothing like that ghost chili chocolate that we saw um or the carolina reaper chocolate whatever it was um but yeah this was i'm, I'm a big fan it's it's a very much a game changer I really wish I liked hot chocolate. I might have to give it a go at like a, another go. Well, no, I think you. I think you probably point. would like it because I really do like chocolate. I'm a big, yeah. big fan. And, um, and and if you got if you went to a dessert and you had like a hot cho- a hot brownie, 
or something. Yeah, it's basically the same thing, really. It's basically yeah, yeah. It's just the texture thing. I feel I feel like my brain revolts um, if I put any liquid that is hot that is not lemsip into my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or hot squash. Like I, my, I, I th- but that's like purely just a learned behavior. In the same or way, or a hot toddy, hot or hot toddy. All right. You know, the list of drinks is growing. Um, mm. But that, that's just purely a, a learned behavior. I've realized, like, it's just tricking my brain into being like, it's, it's fine. You're not yeah. gonna die. Like, I, I don't like the smell of tea. I find the te- smell of tea repulsive. So I know that I'm not gonna like drinking it in the same way that like, if a food smells horrible, you almost certainly aren't gonna enjoy eating it. And I'm just, mm. and I don't mind with tea. A coffee I quite like the smell of, but also not terribly fussed. Whereas hot chocolate is like, I, I just really, yeah, I really wish I liked it, you know. It's a, yeah, I, th- I think you should give it a go. I mean, while we were in, while I was in Wittards, I was with uh, Ed, and I was catching up with him. Um, and uh, they had to, to try, they've brought out a load of uh, kind of seasonal specials. Uh, one of which was a sticky toffee pudding, mm. white hot chocolate mix. Oh, that sounds sickly AF. Yeah, see, now that is exactly what I would... I would read that and go, that's Ooh. just silly. That's like, what? That, <laughs> Stop that's so, it, you. <laughs> that could not be further from being up my street. You know, it's in a different village, in a different postcode. Different and city. You, and you have no access to this. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is how much I would not like it. Anyway, Ed tried it and was like, oh, that's really good. And I think he ended up buying some. And I refused point blank <coughs> for about 10 minutes just to not go anywhere near the stuff because I'm not, I don't like white chocolate anyway. Um, if it's really sweet and sickly, I won't like it. Mm. Um, but I eventually caved and, and got some in a little kind of sippy plastic, like a shot glass, um, and tried it. And it blew my mind on yeah. how it literally just tasted like I was drinking sticky toffee pudding. And I, and I don't mind that, but it because it was in a hot chocolatey form and there was there was like a milkiness to it so it wasn't super strong right it, oh god i just i drank it and i th- i was genuinely just dumbstruck for about two minutes just sitting there going <laughs> just sat there. yeah <laughs> with your, hand, it, your complete, mouth open just gazing off a thousand yards stare <laughs> yeah I, I think it probably didn't help too that i was i was the, the most hungover i've been in, in a very long time oh i love um, those moments because the thing is I, I, I realize I'm putting a massive target on my head by saying this. I just don't really get hangovers. I've never yeah. had a bad hangover in my life. Well, see, the thing is, when I say hangover, I don't mean, you know, I, I woke up and was immediately just, I could not function, was throwing up every half. And, you know, I, I don't get hungover like that. I woke mm. up and I think I must have still, there must have absolutely been alcohol still in my, my system because I woke up and felt absolutely fine. Um, and then... While I went into town to meet Ed, I slowly had this kind of weird feeling of rather than being kind of present in my own body, <laughs> I was drifting maybe two feet above myself. You were in the, was, the Red Dead Redemption camera that's like two feet behind you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and then I think it after being in Wittards, um, I then really started to crash quite spectacularly. Mm. And by the time we'd stopped for some lunch and I had some soup and a cup of tea because I thought I might be able to manage that. I remember kind of finishing the soup and just looking at Ed and going, if I'm not on my sofa in the next 20 <laughs> minutes, things are going to go very badly wrong. Um, and then I ended up just sitting outside in the garden for about, you know, an hour listening to a Harry Potter audiobook and recovering. And then I was fine. The thing but is I, like, I didn't feel bad. I just felt so... I, I, ha- I crashed. I completely crashed. I just... Um, I, um... <laughs> I uh, just like watching 
or hearing from afar more practically about these days that people have like i've had friends who have messaged me after we've all been on a big night out or something or they've been on a big night out and we're all in a group chat together and you know you get updates on how they're feeling and you know the fact that like it, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon it's like i've just got up threw up and immediately went back to bed like death claim me now like yeah. you know that kind of that kind of thing and it's like I, I don't know why because i don't i don't get to experience it like a conservative or a republican i'm just like huh doesn't affect me this is just funny yeah. um so you know i am a monster on the inside uh, possibly, um, though the monster is currently dripping out of my nose. I can, yes. I can assure you. Do, so, just just to actually, because we touched back on it, I touched back on it again. Do you think you might get Red Dead Two then? I don't know. I would say probably not, because given that I've got enough, I've got plenty to be getting along with. Yeah, um, but and I'm also would, quite it would enjoying eat your life. <laughs> I'm I'm slowly working my way through Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, oh, nice! Uh, which is really cool. Obviously. We're playing it in a house where two of us do ancient history. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. We were running around Delphi the other day, just being like banter. You know, it was very, very interesting. Did you see and we the, the Oracle was at Delphi, right? Yeah. Ah, nailed it. But yeah, that's, so that's really cool. Um, it's not by no means a perfect game, but it's just it's just a good bit of fun. And I liked it. Um, mm. I don't really play. I much prefer to, with the exception of like World of Warcraft, um, yeah, no I don't really I never really played that many games I always either would go to a friend's house and I got like such pleasure from watching them play games mm. I love to be the person who just kind of sat and watched and and maybe made some suggestions and it was just that nice to, just nice to be out of the house and, and like what people friends. like what people do now on YouTube it was just you yeah, were there well, in person that's all I did you know like for years and years and years I would get my kicks like I know I know games so well like I've played them because I've watched someone doing a full playthrough of a game, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas for for me to actually play it myself is quite rare. Because um, I, I, I may do, I may get it. But you would describe yourself as a gamer. I guess so. Yeah. Because but the a thing gamer is like, by proxy, I'm like a proto gamer. You're a cultural gamer. It's like when people say they're a cultural Christian because they've grown up in a society or in like a C of E school. They they know the law and they know the background and all that kind of thing, but they don't they don't actively participate in it. So they're cultural yes. Christian. So like. <laughs> Because I would just, I'd probably say the same for me. Like I, but I really do love playing games, and like I, I seem to go full obsessive onto a game like Civ, where I'll just disappear. Like it just eats yeah. my life. Uh, well, like the kingdoms or... and kingdoms and castles, something that's fairly mm. low, low brain power. Just kind of nice thing to kind of get lost in. I think my favorite mm. games are things where you can really just really immerse yourself in. In, in in what you're playing. So and that's the danger of Red Dead is that it does look so immersive. Like you would just, yeah. you know, the rest of the world vanishes. And suddenly, you know, you can't see outside of the screen. Um, mm. It's, yeah, because I, I don't know. I don't have a console and it's not coming out on PC for a while probably. So I, I probably won't get it. Um, but I, I mean, to be, to be honest, I've started streaming more regularly now so i'm trying i'm aiming for two streams a week at the moment which is one maths educational stream and then one which is just kind of whatever game i fancy playing um knitting or duolingo or oh sorry no that's that's my forehead that's your forehead sorry i mean i know you two are close you're literally molecularly attached um but um you know it's been kerbal mostly and i'm still gonna get that bloody rover onto the service of juno i'm determined to, to actually do it one day um and getting over it which seems to be exclusively you know, played with shitty flute in the background. Um, yeah. And then this weekend, because it's uh, it's the spooktacular weekend before Halloween, I think I'm going to try and play um, Slenderman. Uh, and, oh, and I tell you what, you that. should play on on stream. Oh, and if this is, I'm looking forward now to uh, Saturday when those who are tuned in to the 
the live airing of the episode, um, can you all spam Simon and say for the spooktacular you would request him to play Amnesia: The Dark Descent? <laughs> oh no, please! Because that is a that is a brilliant game and yeah, it's but, uh, terrifying. I, I like there's a limit. I'm not, I don't play spooky games. I don't watch spooky films. I just, funnily enough, I don't like being scared because it's a horrible emotion. You know? Well, tough. Shit, it's Halloween and you have to play it now. Well, no, I, I don't have. I, I'm going to play why a don't? spooky game. Why don't we try and find a find a find a day that you're going to stream? Like it'll be, it'll be we'll this do, Sunday. It'll be this. We'll do, Sunday. It'll be this this Sunday. Okay. Well, I'm on half term, which means that I don't have any services to sing. Um, so I'm free, and I think that you should do Amnesia, and I'll screen share you through 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 um, through uh, what's it called Steam, uh, and 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 be be with you on the stream for like so then there's some moral support you're talking to somebody else it's like someone else is there otherwise i i could just come up to no 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 it's that's too it's a very long journey uh yeah okay i think you should absolutely play amnesia though that would be amazing oh, why did i mention this yeah okay fine uh we'll talk it's about really fun the and, th- and the thing is it's not like any it's it's not a it's just eerie because it's so atmospheric mm. like the actual the monster you see very very rarely um there's only one and it, when he's there you're like oh and you know bearing in mind this game is quite dated now so it's graphically not that incredible i mean you can buy the remastered version which i think is probably what you have to do but um okay, yeah well, let's do that i'll, I'll think be fun. about it and if not that it'll be slender man or something but my point being i'm streaming quite regularly and so it's actually giving me an excuse to um get back into games and you know it gives me because it gives me like two hours a week where I can be like yeah I want to play a game and like if I'm putting it on Twitch it's in some way helping to build my presence online so I can justify it from a business perspective and like some yeah. for some reason people give me money sometimes like Dan V who's just determined to strip him himself of his life savings by just paying me off in small ch- chunks at a time um, you know so it, I, I can basically justify procrastinating by monetizing it um, mm. And so, yeah, I've actually been getting much more into it. And in particular, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing the stream uh, sometime in November, probably over what, a couple of days, to be honest, uh, playing Civ, Civ Six. Um, and so, I, I don't know. I, I could just see myself actually now, this this is the year, or you know, the next 12 months, uh, do I want to try do Twitch regularly, is actually when I do start to get back into gaming and do and do as much gaming as I would have liked to have done, and rather, rather than just being a cultural gamer like I was before. Yes, yeah. Um, so... Just before we end off this section, whilst we've been talking, I've, um, from Twitter, pulled up Merriam-Webster, which is the American knockoff of the Oxford English Dictionary, um, uh, have done a thing where you can search through their dictionary uh, by the year that an entry is first noted as happening, the first recorded right. instance of a word. So, now you, you were 1997, is that right? You were born? Yes. Right. So, in the year you were born, the words... Um, auto-tune, um, emoji, freegan, friends with benefits, and smackdown were used for the first time. Good lord. Along with a bunch of the judgy. No, f*** was judgy not used until 1997. Along with words like marker. As in a permanent one or a whiteboard one. No, M-A-R-K-A. Money table. Oh. Uh, oh God. Are these Americanisms? Oh, oh, no, no, no. This must be a currency. It's oh, a I currency see. of some kind. Uh, okay. Um, uh, Generation Z was another one, which is quite surprising how um, yeah. like early that is. Whereas if I go back, all the way back to the dim mystical land of 1990, um, Big Box, B 
black hat, fire. No, that, uh, that was not true. Uh, C. difficile, cryptocurrency, geek out, very appropriately, hoodie, MMA, uh, props, shout out, tighty whities, and oh, world props, wide like, web. Like, um, oh, props to you for that amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember that. <clears throat> my, my, my year seems to be very, like, hip internet user. Like, uh, mm. props to you for the shout out, dude, on the that's world so, wide that's web. That's so wizard. Wow. <laughs> I'm just here to geek out over my Mook Mansion. What the f- What's that? A very large house built in a usually suburban neighbourhood or development. Made entirely of McDonald's fries. Oh, regarded critically as oversized and ostentatious. So it's the Team 10 house, basically. Right. And up with tighty-whities of all the, of all oh the years. God. Wow. It's uh, bizarre. Give me, a, give me a year. Any, And I think this goes all the way back to before the 12th century. So give, give me a year and we'll see what was the one something first appeared. Uh, 1066. Freedom. Uh, no, okay. Uh, oh, oh, no, okay. Everything before the 12th century is just lumped together. So there's a whole buttload of words. Okay, okay. That's, so that's uh, I'd recommend Let's... going, like, the years starts from, like, 1500 is the first regular one. And then there are centuries okay. between 12th and 15th. Let's go with 1606. 1606. Wow, loads of words. Good grief. I was not expecting so many. Okay. Uh, abruption, acquirable, ad, ad libitum, cold-blooded, coulda, eavesdrop, Macbeth, matriarch, ravined, proscenium, three-quarter. Wow. I would never have guessed that these were like so many games yeah. from specifically that year. Orchestra was apparently used for the first time in 1606. Wow. Give me another one. Okay. Um, 1884. 1884. Varmint! No. Uh, bloody hell! So many. That's like a hundred words. Uh, crosshair. Alphabet soup. Uh date book alphabet soup yeah alphabet soup wow that's awesome uh, that's b- the coolest thing we've ever found on this podcast <laughs> alphabet that's amazing soup. Po- patented 1884 that's so cool uh just uh, just below that on the list is assisted suicide oh wow uh along with brit bird of paradise crosshair giant cactus hamburger um interstimulation so um Kombu, killer whale, um, overspill, paginate, pop fly, sand dollar. Overspill is what you get when you ask a killer whale to open your alphabet soup. No, overspill is what happens when I put on tight uh, trousers, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I've got a bit of muffin top going on. This is absolutely amazing, though. I, I yeah. never. Hang on. Uh, what? What? It's something interesting that happened. Oh, 1543. That's an interesting year. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. So 1543 is a number that I've noticed follows me around everywhere, and I think I notice mm. it because it was the year when Vesalius published his um, Anatomy of the Human Body. So it was like the first mm. work which kind of advanced like anatomical medicine since the time of the, the Romans. Um, and so I don't know why, but I just I know that it came out that year, and I noticed the time 1543 or the number 1543 everywhere. Um, and so unsurprisingly, there's a bunch of words here like uh, anatomist, um uh, swinger apparently was for penetrant swinger and comedy were all used for the first time in 1543 along with probe i've got a i've got a i've got an idea 
Can you search 1623? 1623. 1623. Is that on the, uh, the Motion of the Human Heart by Harvey? Was that 1628? No, 1623 was the um, the first... Shakespeare's first folio was collated and published. Was collated, okay. Um, cicatrix, cockroach, droll, fulmin, judiciary, mandingo, uh, relaxed, self-torture, scotchwoman... Apparently, there were no women in Scotland. They just believe they <laughs> popped out of holes in the ground. Yeah. Um, foliation. Cowboy. Wow. Wow. I never... Inseminate. Oh, here we go. Inseminate, lubricate. Uh, oh, what a word. Magniloquence. The quality or state of being magniloquent, which is speaking in or characterized by high flown, often bombastic style or manner. It's Ed Dunn. Yeah. <laughs> Ed Dunn is magniloquence personified. That's this is such an interesting tool. Uh, this will be in the show notes. Um, hey, when was when was St Peter's? St Peter's was formed in 1961, I think. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, wow, AA battery, lip sync, Mai Tai, neo colonialism, porny, Mai Tai and neo colonialism. Yeah, Welly, Wazoo. Trifluralin. Oh, <laughs> I, I got these two confused. <coughs> I got these two confused. Um, one uh, above each other. You have transformational grammar and wankle engine, which I definitely read as transformational wank engine. And I really wanted to know what that was. Mm. Um, wow. Oh, this is so cool. Sorry, we that is gonna, very cool. We're, we're going to fall down this rabbit hole. We should we should probably move on to uh, Patreon corner, shouldn't we? Let's do it. Oh, bloody hell. Top lad. So we find ourselves in Patreon corner. I'm sure you all know the deal by now, but this is the area of the podcast where we'd like to say a massive thank you specifically uh, to our top lads. The, these, uh, these wonderful people support the podcast with $5 a month. They allow us to make our... Our monthly donation to Wikipedia. Is it monthly or weekly? It's monthly. Our monthly donation to Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> s- seamless. Um, you can tell which one of us handles the financials. Absolutely. Um, uh, and, and, and generally kind of contribute towards the, the kind of the Wikipedia pot of money that allows Simon and I to do really interesting things, be, be it visiting each other and, and kind of being able to do some more interesting kind of live collaborations um, or being able to venture out into into kind of merchandise, which we did, which was hilarious. Um, Can just, we get an yeah. update on the John Rutter home for Memorial Home for Injured Swans T-shirts? To be honest, Nout has changed since the last time we spoke about it because I've been dissertationing this week. I've been trying to sort out what I want to do. So, well, I, I can. Everyone else can suck it because I, uh, I have my own one now. Because Pixel oh yeah, Girl, Liv birthday, sent me a message actually saying, "Don't get Simon one. I'm doing it." I was yeah, like, okay. I like how she thought that you were actually going to make them. Like it's charming that she thought you were actually going to design them and get them made in a tiny time frame. Because they, they will be made at some point, but yeah, just not. Yeah, not, not within right a week. Now. Uh, yeah. yeah, she she made one for me, uh, which is gloriously bad. Uh, it's it's right at that point of being terrible, where it's become good again. Uh, I yeah. absolutely love it. Everyone else can, is going to have to wait for Dan's design, but that that is an example of where the money is going to go uh, in terms of the getting that the initial stuff actually made for that. I'm mm-hmm. very excited for what you come up with. But yes, but this is the, the the kind of the time of the podcast where we'd like to say thank you. So without further ado, I would like to say a massive thank you to Ben Dent. 
Ben McMurtry and Billy Toulson. I would like to thank Choco Cat, Connor Pull the Levers, and our favourite Danish resident, Dan Hanvey. Davy Schram Vontabel, David Scahill, and Elliot Conway. Eric Davis, Habiba Amjad, who now has her own command on my Twitch channel. If you type uh, exclamation mark Habiba, you get she has Twitter in response from the bot. Uh, and Henry Brewster. Uh, Isabel Ostrovsky, Jay Wright, and John Mannion. Jordi Eschendahl, Kyle, not very much. Lachlan Woods. Lewis Watson, Lindsay Van Rin, Marut Fakira Punyawat. Matt McGuire, Fee Gascoigne, Rory Healy. Simon Torseth, Simon Vase. Tap your Kirkenham. The Boostache Man and wonderful Stephen. Thank you so much, guys. Um, as we say every week, um, you're kind of you keep this podcast afloat. You know, one of the biggest things that, that we that we use these donations for is just allowing us to pay for hosting, um, which is which just allows us to keep making this this weird thing yep. that uh, that people seem to like. So, um, like thank our you initial so much. our initial goal for this project was twelve dollars a month. Which actually doesn't even cover hosting now, because it's. I, th- I guess because we become more popular, we have to pay more for hosting. Yes, we do. I think. Um, so that like covers half of the, the the thing now. But now we're up to one hundred and seventy seven dollars a month, so we can actually afford to. If we reach two hundred dollars a month, then we can. We're going to be donating fifty pounds to Wikimedia every month. So what's that like? What is fifty? I'm just going to uh, at the time of recording. Uh, that's sixty four bucks, and then that gives a hundred bucks that we can then put into, for example, getting the merchandise made. And uh, various other expenses, uh, well, like like the hosting, for example. Um, so it's kind of nuts how how this, this project has grown, really. And you guys really do make it possible. Uh, but the people who don't make my life possible are the people that keep putting money in for Team F***ing Dog. Because it's still winning with 36 patrons to the 28 patrons of Team Cat. I feel well like we've done, been stuck in this position for weeks, guys. Come on, guys. I know that a lot of you who like dogs really like cats as well just pop your pop your donation amount over to team cat just change it over just i'm ill make me feel better please (laughs) i'm dying here oh please for just one dollar a month you can save a simon's life oh please do it guys i need this i need this win Okay, so we now find ourselves in Crisis Corner, and you may recall that we changed things up last week based on the success of two episodes ago? I think it was two episodes ago. Where we got you guys, <laughs> the readers, to respond to the crisis that a fellow reader was in, um, that had been emailed into spongyelectric at gmail.com um, uh, with, the, with the subject line uh, Crisis Corner. Uh, anybody can do so, and what we've been getting you guys to do is send in your response. So... This corner is now going to work as follows. We're going to read out your responses to the crisis from last week, which we're going to recap. And then at the end of it, Dan is going to read out a new crisis for next week. And we invite you, yes, you, dear reader, because the more responses we get, the better, um, to respond to it. And everything that gets sent into this corner is uh, anonymized. We're not going to read out your name. So you can be as harsh uh, in your advice as you like. Um, And hopefully we're actually going to try and help some people out. Uh, Hmm. But without further ado, so the uh, crisis from last week was from Anonymous, you may remember. Um, And basically Anonymous was in the third year of their degree and looking for options for postgraduate study. Uh, And there were three options. Basically go to a different uni, to to the current undergraduate one, um, after they finish their three-year course. Uh, The second option was to stay at the current uni and apply for an MSc after um, doing the three-year course and the third option was to stay at the university and then transfer to a four-year course so they don't graduate with their friends um, and then they go straight on into the master's level qualification and basically the downsides were in the first case if they went to a different uni the undergraduate one um, 
they would be sleeping on a sofa because they'd be living at home uh, and they wouldn't uh, have very much uh, money, basically. Uh, the second option, they uh, would have very little money to live on, but they'd be living away from home. Uh, and then the third option, um, it would be kind of okay financially because they'd be able to get a loan for it. Um, so those were the options that Anonymous uh, was, was presented to us. And now, Dan, would you like to read out some responses that the readership has offered to this crisis? So we have uh, we have some responses here from this one's coming from uh, Anonymy. Uh, Anonymy says, uh, "Hi, anonymous. As a uni student who has lived at home for the majority of my studies, I can highly recommend living at home and commuting to campus. I know it can be hard to find quiet places to study. Luckily, as a student, you have access to libraries. Um, noises can be really distracting, but I found a good part of noise cancelling headphones helps a lot. A good pair of noise cancelling <laughs> headphones helps a lot." I've been lucky enough, because I've lived at home, to limit my paid work when uni becomes stressful and have built up a support network. Um, coming home from a long day of study uh, to a home-cooked meal is the most brilliant thing. It's not always um, been ideal, and while I have wanted to be more independent at times, it's been so helpful to know I don't have to get all of my coursework done, as well as all the housework, cooking, and cleaning. There are lots of things to consider. I wish you all the best. And that's from Anonymy. So Anonymy is basically saying you should that th- th- they think the best option is to stay at home. And go, this is option A and uh, go for a course at a different university. Mm. Right, okay. So then um, we have a uh, another response uh, from Anonymous. They've actually signed off as Anonymous. Uh, they, they write, Dear Dan, Simon and Anonymous, after reading the podcast this afternoon, I felt this might be one of those rare occasions where I could offer the reader in crisis some advice. I'm currently in the final week of corrections. Where hey, for a master's by research in genetics. I studied at a high-pressured university in the northeast of England. At this university, the integrated master's degrees involve six-month research project, while the... Uh, MR, oh, MRes degrees involved a full 12 months of research. I'm assuming this is also the case that the Uni Anonymous is considering moving to for their masters. A lab-based masters is really hard work. You're essentially working a more than full-time job and then doing reading on the side. I think Anonymous should consider what they want to do after their masters, particularly whether they are seriously considering doing a PhD or not. If they are, I would probably advise them to go for that option, which is going to make their life easiest and switch to the integrated masters program. They can still go to the graduation ceremony and hang out with their friends even if they are not graduating themselves if they are i would personally probably opt for staying at the university same university and doing the m res degree which offers more extensive training i lived on 12 pound 50 a week wow while doing mine and it was hard having my own family free space with a good bed to sleep in made a big difference i don't know how supportive anonymous's parents are but considering anonymous is the first in their family to go to university i think they are likely to perform better when living in an environment where others are also in study mode and where they are unlikely to have to spend energy on interacting with or being responsible for younger siblings while dealing with their uni work. I hope this is useful. Feel free to put Anonymous in touch with me if it's any help. Anonymous. So this, that's an interesting one. That's basically saying why why are you interested in doing the masters? You know, is it, is it for the mm. research side of things or not? And in a way, that's a difficult question to answer, I imagine, because I think most people don't know if they want to do a PhD until they have done a research qualification of some kind. Um, I knew from my first set foray into research in my third year at Oxford that I wanted to do a PhD. And so that's why I followed the route I did. I can't remember off the top of my head whether Anonymous even said that they had done any research before or if they were considering a PhD. So that offers like a kind of a tree, you know, that that's saying if this, then that. Um, what's your take, by the way, on Anonymous's crisis, Dan? I think it's actually kind of helpful to think about why you're doing it. Yeah. 
um, because it's not only then useful to think about the options as to what you're doing when you decide to do this masters but also maybe thinking about it more could inform on whether it's the right decision or not and i think there's a lot of times when you if you if you're not quite sure what what you want to do sod it i'll go and do a masters as well you know it's yeah. another year it gives you a bit more time to play with blah 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 um, but it's really it's kind of really valuable to um to question those ones i think i think the the, the uh, an anonymy anonymy's advice um about um having lived at home and found it fine is mm-hmm. is probably really i think it's probably quite but probably the one of the most daunting ones so it's really nice to hear um that uh oh hang on sorry bear with me just a second there's a bear with him oh my god the security light just went off in the garden i wanted to see who was there was it a bear i think it was a bear yes it's i fine. knew it i mean i think for what it's worth my my advice to anonymous it would be to change uh what uh, the second half of what anonymous said which is to change the four-year degree um and you know it's it sucks to not be graduating with your friends but at the end of the day, I think it's probably worth it in the long run. It's it's a short term pain, a long term gain. Yeah, I think I think you've got to think about it kind of strategically. And um, if I I'm just going to get Anonymous's email up uh, in the first place, if I can just find it. Um, yeah, so you know you would have not a huge amount of of money to live on, but it's considering well you're saying uh, Anonymous that where you are at the moment it would be comfortable. Um, so I feel like that's the best of both worlds. You get the integrated masters, you continue to get the loan, you can live more comfortably, and you don't have to live at home. And I know, I'm, I'm just reading this from Anonymous's original email, um, that they won't have a qualification in the bank. Now, I can sort of understand the psychological aspect of that, but I, for what it's worth, I did that. I had a four-year undergraduate where I'd had a master's at the end and no three-year qualification. It's never harmed me, you know, in, in in the subsequent years. So I honestly wouldn't worry too much about that. My advice, as someone who's gone through the science masters and then gone on to do the research stuff in the PhD, um, would be to go to the four-year integrated. Whereas you're, you, you, you know, you, you seem to be leaning more towards changing universities and going back home, Dan. Hmm. Okay, well... Well, I think, I, I think to be honest, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so subjective. I think had I... I think I would have been perfectly happy doing an integrated masters. Um, the other thing to the, the other thing to point out is that um, from a research perspective, if you're interested in doing research, then sometimes uh, supervisors can look unfavorably on people who stayed at the university for their entire experience. Um, mm. That's more to do with going from undergraduate to, to PhD. I think people who go from undergraduate to masters and stay at the same place not doesn't seem to be such an issue. Um, but just generally, if you see someone who stays at, the, at one university for whatever it's going to be like nine to ten years. Um, then it can look a little bit suspect, um, yeah. but I I wouldn't worry about about that. Um, yeah, yeah, I I think I'm I'm sticking with my my guns of st- moving to the four year course. We have one last very uh, succinct and, and helpful bit of uh, advice from uh, Jackonymous. Um, <laughs> Jackonymous says uh, hello. You can't, you can't do that. If that's their name. Well, that, that's how he signed off. So I assume it's going to be fine. We haven't oh, said right. a last name. All right. That's how they've uh, they've <laughs> signed off. Let's. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to assume gender here. Um, anyway, Jack Onimus says hello. For perspective, I had a three-year undergraduate uh, undergrad in physics, student finance with a minimum of three. I think that's a typo. With a minimum three pound maintenance for rent and having because I say that's very very cheap maintenance and rent. Um, anyway, 
uh, moved to a higher uni for an MSc student loan for um, for the course, and then had to work part time to survive. Lived at a friend's house, very tough year, and I'm now doing a PhD there. I too loved my undergraduate at uni, but fundamentally, they did not provide the level of physics in the area I was wanting to enter. That was for me. And now, Jackonomous is going to go into a, a breakdown of the options that that the our original anonymous uh, gave, and and Jackonomous's thoughts on these ones. So, option one. He thinks that sounds awful unless nowhere else provides the MSA you're looking for. Home distractions can considerably affect your work. My partner went from averaging 2-1 undergrad home uh, to a 75% hit in here, masters living away. Option two, think sounds the best. It's the perfect course for you as well as um, being uh, as well as being in what you want to pursue. If so, you'll find a way to do it. For me, working one day a week for a year should make this option viably financial for you. And remember, it's only for a year. He presumes. And option three, Jack Arnimus thinks it's also very valid. Um, the experience from uh, from this too is um, arguably staying on the MFIS would have been easier, but the modules provided in the final year and the project I would have had to do would have made little reference to the area I'm interested in and thus I knew I had to move. Hopes this helps. Jack Arnimus. Um. So Jack Arnimus thinks two then three, then one in terms of preference. Two and three are pretty close together. One, Jack's not sold on. Right. So basically, whatever you choose to do, Anonymous, you've got someone who's got your back, it appears. They are all they all provide different arguments, though, I suppose. So it's, it's hopefully it's going to be helpful for Anonymous to to think oh, and have just to have some other thoughts. I've only just realised, uh, from the original Anonymous, so our Anonymous who was in um, uh, Missouri... I didn't realise we had a response from them in response to the responses they had. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, let me read this out. Okay, so I've only just noticed this. Sorry, this is this is not planned at all. Um, Anonymous writes, um, dear, Hi, Simon and Dan, again. Textwall 2.0 here. Um, uh, it's Vsauce. Uh, I'm absolutely astonished by the response I've gotten on this issue. I haven't had a chance to listen to the podcast in the last couple of weeks because I mostly listen to it on long car rides. Fun fact, once I turned on a new Wikicast episode when I left my house and the episode ended exactly when I pulled into my university parking lot. Bloody hell, that's a long commute. Um, and frankly, I expected that you two would cover the top, consider the topic too heavy for the podcast. It would get drowned out by other emails and never replied to. When I got your email, I was absolutely stunned and rushed to listen to the newest episode, only to find out that you had dedicated two whole crisis corners to it. So um, this must be when I, I forwarded the email for the fellow student at the same university to Anonymous. Mm. Um, I'm so incredibly grateful for the things everyone has said and the support from you two and the community means so much to me. I've just joined the fan Discord where I can discuss this stuff in a more com conversational atmosphere thank you guys so much um and he actually adds and he explicitly says um i could say this uh, uh, in the podcast um that they are drockrath on the discord um cool. so d-r-o-k-r-a-t-h drockrath oh, welcome to the welcome to the community and welcome, welcome to the discord to the enjoy your stay um uh, please enjoy your welcome pack that'll be in your room when you get there and the uh, chocolatey mint on your pillow uh, which will be the the, only the ghost of... chili chocolate mint. <laughs> yes, uh, there you go. Uh, which I believe is now being shipped to you, incidentally, just to interject that update. I'm pretty sure that that is an, um, uh, Vignesh is sending that to to us, which is mind-boggling. That's, that's actually Amazing. nuts to me. That's happening. Anyway, I'm just going to return to what, what Anonymous uh, has to say. Uh, Anonymous and Asbestos both hit the nail on the head with the university in question. Everything they said describes it exactly. I am surprised there is a listener who had even heard of and could identify this university, much less that there. Oh my god, my voice is going. Much less that there will be one who currently attends it. I wonder what the actual odds of that are. To be honest, I expect they're incalculable. 
I think you're probably right. Uh, mm. Moving out in the middle of the year is a little more common here, but still, whenever anyone does it, it does attract a lot of attention. Unfortunately, I cannot move out with my girlfriend because she goes to another university about two hours away in St. Louis, and a university requires that you live on campus for the first two years of your degree. Nearly there. Not sure if this should be a crisis corner. I feel bad taking up three of those, or correspondence corner, or neither. Uh, whatever, here it is. Um... Also, just a few side notes for fun. I am majoring in physics, which is how I found this podcast through Simon's channel. By the way, Team Cat, but team, but dogs are great too. Sincerely anonymous. Well, I'm so glad that um, I noticed that because that that's that's fantastic. That uh, you know, moving out to say with your girlfriend seemed like the perfect get out clause. But if that's mm-hmm. not possible, the fact that we've just been able to sort of reassure you that there are other people there are, there's another person at your university who gets it and you know you're now in touch with them uh that's astonishing to me so mm. anonymous that's oh seven i'm saluting you um mm. go forth into that into that night brave soul uh, <laughs> it's astonishing work everyone well done now do we have a crisis for people to respond to next week that is not my health dan i believe we do well would you like to read it out so here we go. This is our crisis for this week. Uh, once again, it's from, I uh, believe you pronounce it anonymous. Um, so as we're going to say, we're going to read this one out. Simon and I are, Simon and I are going to hold off our thoughts. Um, and then next week, we're going to return with, with kind of our thoughts and chiming in on the issue. And hopefully, again, more of, more of our uh, readership's incredible advice, because you guys do such an incredible job. So without further ado, from anonymous... Okay, so this is quite light, mild crisis, more of a korma than a real spicy, <laughs> uh, nice, very good. It's a one uh, on the Nando scale of spicy yeah. crises. It's no vindaloo. Uh, so feel free to neglect me if someone has more serious crisis that isn't just a fifth, just a fifth of life crisis. Uh, some background, I'm a year 12 student studying maths, further maths and computer science at A-level. So when I was 11, I started coding and I fell in love with it and quickly decided I wanted to, I want, that's what I wanted to do when I grew up. I decided on doing a CS degree, but as I moved through high school, I started to really, really enjoy maths. And so the natural progression was changed in my mind to maths and computer science. Um, but here's the issue. I've always enjoyed writing and reading too. The first job I wanted to do was be an author because of Philip Pullman when I was a kid understandable and during GCSEs I really fell in love with philosophy I decided I was going to take it as a fourth A level but at the last minute after it already been confirmed I was told in fact I couldn't do it because of timetabling and now I'm really missing it and missing writing and essays and reading much more than ever thought I would I've been preparing for a debate competition at school which has really confirmed my love for argument I'm dreading the, um, the competition being over so I have to stop on top of this, I've sort of fallen out of love with CS, computer science. I still enjoy it, but no longer feel like that passion is there. And uh, I had when I was smaller and I'd much pref- I would prefer a mathematical career than one in computer science. So I've been looking at maths and philosophy degrees, such as the ones at Warwick and Oxford. I got amazing results at GCSE, uh, seven nines, three eights and an A, which confirmed I could do whatever I wanted academically um, with right, any yeah, of my calm, subjects. Calm down, Billy, Billy Big Bollocks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as uh, so as you know, um, so as I know, you two have experience in higher education. I thought I'd ask, what should I do? Is it a philosophy half instead of a CS half going to really limit me in terms of careers that I don't succeed in maths? I know how difficult research jobs are to get, or will it be more open, i.e., jobs that are more writing based? Will it be a waste of time? if I'm going into maths anyway. What complicates the issue is that I think I have social anxiety. I'm not diagnosed. Typically, I'm too anxious to openly talk about it, but I feel like it's a pretty certain thing. This means that if I do decide to change my plans to philosophy, I'm going to really struggle to tell my mum and friends and everyone. Maths and CS is the expectation now, and I'm talking about it like it's going to be really difficult. But then again, I don't want to regret my choices at uni and kicking myself uh, because of my social anxiety. 
Um, sorry if this email is a bit haphazard. My thoughts are all over the place at the moment. I know I've got a while to decide, but I'm already going to open days and want to be as prepared as possible for the next October. So it's causing me quite a bit of anxiety. And like I say, I feel uh, feel free to ignore me. I'm sure there are people with much more pressing issues. Thanks. A no, no moose. Um, well, <laughs> a no, no moose. That's a uh, that's crazy. Otherwise you've known got, as Billy got, Big Bollocks, uh, officially. Yeah, now. you've canon. got a, you've got a lot of stuff to. Well, I kind of understand where he's coming from. On the, I mean, obviously GCSE results are amazing. They're not going to be as influential on your uni applications than A level results, um, from what I can understand of A levels. But that was something that I had from doing the IB in that because you have to take a subject from every single discipline in terms of being limited by what you want to study, you're basically not. You can pretty much do everything. Um, it's just whether you whether you really want to and if you if you get decent grades but just by having such a colossal spread of subjects um it's quite hard to try and to try and zone in on one particular thing which i think is what you're trying to get at so i understand you from that point um but what do you think dear reader what yeah. what should a non uh, what's a no no moose do a no no moose do is it going to be pure computer science is it going to be computer science and maths is it going to be computer science and philosophy is it going to be something else entirely are they going to get we'll those big bollocks and removed yeah we'll we'll have to see until next week well actually we'll it's going to be some. it's going to be two weeks i think because i am away on a holiday well, well it might be next week we'll see basically get your answers in as soon as possible please because we don't actually yes. have that many days normally between releasing and recording so it doesn't matter how incoherent you think your thoughts are we want to hear from you as many readers as possible we want to know what you think a no no moose should do write in to spongyelectric.gmail.com with a crisis corner response in the subject line and in the next episode we'll be reading out your responses and your attempts to help out a no-no moose. Amazing. A no-no big bollock moose. God, that sounds terrifying. How would it be able to move? If the bollocks... I'm imagining they're like beach balls. Uh, with great difficulty, it's I imagine. It's like very delicately trying to, trying to tiptoe its back legs <laughs> around... And with that, we're going to be calling the episode uh, now. We, we do have some amazing uh, other correspondence and some equally brilliant fan fictions. We're going to have to save those until next week or potentially two weeks' time. When I've got my voice um, back. Time, time of death for Simon's voice. Uh, it's 9pm on the dark. That was a solid... That's been, it's been a nearly an hour and a half recording session for us. Um, and <laughs> I, I think dead. Simon's done admirably. Um, but it's very much time to stop because we don't want, it, we don't want things to get too silly. The things I um, do for you people... The things I put myself through. This makes me no money. <laughs> I'm doing this to myself. Uh, yeah, we'll be back, like, in a week or two, or whatever. Do I kick off the script, don't I? So, Dan, what have we learned today? Oh, f- hang on. Oh, shit, I haven't got the thing. Oh, you muppet. Wait, wait, I need to... I was looking at the... the I changed it to the Patreon. Oh, what was it called? God, um, it's all falling apart at the end. Oh my God, what actually was it called? It was a Christian rock album. It was, it was, um, Imagine Leviathans or something like that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> beansed it. You got hang beans on, on, all over you, you right now. Go I'll in your, go in your history it. and search for yeah. rock or something. Yeah, I'll get it, I'll get it, I'll get it. Yeah. 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 Oh, there it goes. Psalm 104. That's what we want. Rivers in the Wasteland. There we go. Simon, we, we obviously, we were talking about Rivers in the Wasteland, oh, the fifth studio yes. album by American Christian rock band Need to Breathe. It was rated 10 squares. It was rated 10 squares. They even made it into the charts, not just the Christian charts but or the, the nominated for the best contemporary Christian music performance or song category at the 57th Annual Grammy Awards. Um, 
but they actually just did they made it into the Billboard Hot 100 they were 98 but they're still in the 100 there's more than we've done um, yeah, absolutely. So we, we talked um, about within... that. Yeah, we, we we talked about um the Blackburn Cathedral. I hearing our our friend Dr. Jones's uh, music being performed on we national did. radio. I think I briefly mentioned Herbert Sumption's um, uh, "They That Go Down to the Sea in Ships." Which oh, is we had our cool awesome. piece of the week, and I think Tapio yeah. actually sent us a um a jingle. Oh, amazing! Yeah. Oh, we we forgot. Oh God. You can tell that I'm not with it because um, I was actually really looking forward to doing that. I'll have to wait till the next episode. Um, but yes. But thank you, Tapio. That's awesome. And then we talked about um, the, where, where words came from, we, 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 which years um, words came from, which was like the best yeah. thing we ever learned. We uh, briefly touched upon uh, Early Man and how it's rubbish. Oh, we talked um, about Red we Dead Redemption 2. Or we did. Hooty, Rooty, Tooty, McShooty or whatever the fuck it's called. And then we just launched straight into uh, to the crises. Which, uh, which were interesting. We got some amazing feedback, as always. Thank you again so much. Mm. Um, I, I really, really... That's the, that's the segment I look forward to each week now because the advice that you get and being able to have... It feels like we have a much deeper connection to the readership when you guys uh, write in, so it's amazing. Well, that's a Wally. Look, uh, there's a bear. That's a, that's a Wally. <laughs> that's a Wally. <laughs> Thanks. Wally. That's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. You can like us on Facebook. And if you'd like to see our faces, tough. Or you can check out our YouTube channel, Spongy Night. No, there are no faces on that, Dan. There's the same number of faces on that YouTube channel as there are in the podcast logo. If you want to see our faces, just look at the logo. That's what we look like, but with more colour. Yeah. Less yellow, less jaundice. Yeah, though apparently people can recognise you absolutely fine from that image, so I really, we really nailed you. Crisis advice, spooky Halloween stories, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, f- this was meant to be our Halloween special. We'll just do it. We'll do a delayed one. It'll be like the Hall- it'll be the Halloween special in like mid-November. Next week, next episode will be our Halloween special, guys. We meant to do it this week, but I'm ill, all right, and I'm clearly the brains of the operation. So that meant that we forgot. Okay. Well, there we go for the Halloween special, readers. You have a challenge. I want you to go to the deepest, darkest, darkest corners of Reddit and find the most underwhelming <laughs> Halloween stories and we shall read them out on air. We'll do dramatised readings much like we did with the lyrics earlier in the episode. Please. Um, and it'll yes. be amazing. Yeah, absolutely please. Um, well, with that said, join us again for another tumble. Oh, oh he's, that's it. That's the end. He's, he's done. He's finished. He's gone. Oh, there we go. That's it. He's, okay. Well, well, yeah, do join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And, 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 and we'll definitely try and see you next time. I, I think Simon will be here next time. Bing, 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 bing. Bing, 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 Correspondence. Okay, I'm going to move some stuff around. Correspondence. Give me your dream. Bum, 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 bum. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Bum, 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 bum. It better be cute because I have met Corinne Vapidis in my life. And he's really cute. Bum, 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 bum.